Yes, welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Podcast. I am Roy Shanahan and today I'm joined by Peter Moore and Tom Forecast for the, from TheBigKickoff.com to talk about all things football. Peter and Tom, welcome back to The Big Kickoff. How are you? Okay. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, last week, just days after Bournemouth were relegated back into the Championship, manager Eddie Howe and the club agreed for Howe to leave by mutual consent. A club that's long-term survival having gone into administration and who were second from bottom in League 2 was in serious doubt. But from January 2009, newly appointed Eddie Howe worked a small miracle that season to keep the Cherries in the Football League and as they say, the rest is history. The new year brings a new manager to AFC Bournemouth. Former defender and first team coach Eddie Howe takes charge of the side at Darlington tomorrow and will be given the job full time if results and performances improve. Free kick, Pittman 30 yards out ahead. Oh, terrific! And in his first home game in charge, the League Two leaders are on the floor here at Dean Court. Shot comes in on the yes! Legend! It's Fletcher! Against all odds, the Cherries survive. Anyhow, you are the special one. Pittman, they've got it! That could be the goal that sees Bournemouth promoted this afternoon. Anyhow can celebrate Bournemouth's promotion. Back here as Bournemouth go in search of their second goal and they've found a second goal as well. It's Harry Arter that has propelled them into the championship. Really pleased. I get more satisfaction than seeing other people happy, to be honest. Um, to see the players who have worked so hard to achieve this, to see their reactions to what it means to them, means everything to me. Cook once more. Oh, and Steve Cook has tucked it off for Bournemouth. with the delivery, awkward for Coltrane, it's Cook, into the frame, Murray with a header, what a goal, what a story, Glenn Murray off the bench, and scores for Bournemouth. And that is there, 
stoppage time. Get in! Come on! It's coming into range, Steve Cook. Oh, and it's Ake! It's just been an incredible journey, and when you look back to be in this position, we, we didn't think it would ever be possible. And of course, their loyal supporters, they do deserve you know, all the credit. It's down to them that the club's still here. Peter, as a fan posted, he was like our Alex Ferguson, from 91st in the league to five years in the Premier League. You've really got to rate those achievements, don't you? Well, yeah, absolutely. Remember also, Eddie Howe spent 25 years as a player and manager, uh, which, which you know, speaks for itself. Boyun's by far and away. I mean, look at the success he's achieved at Bournemouth, Roy. You're quite right. He's, he kept them in the Premier League uh, for four seasons. And remember, he took them from where well, they were on the verge of going out of the Football League. They were 23rd in League Two and almost and virtually one game away from... Uh, potentially go into non-league football. After that, the success story continued. Admittedly, you got to three promotions, as I say, five seasons in the top flight. Um, all right, as we talked about last week, okay, this season has been a poor one for Bournemouth, yes. But then again, look, as I said last week, you know, Bournemouth, I still feel have been punching above their weight for quite a few years. At the end of the day, I mean, what this guy has done it's not just his man management. I think it's his tactic-wise, how he manages players, how he can get the best out of the squad, which, let's be perfectly honest with you, their budget is extremely small as regards Premier League standards as well. And I think Harry Redknapp quoted a couple of days ago when he said, to be honest with you, this club has no right to actually be in the Premier League. Or you, you, can, you can sort of laugh about it now and say, well, they're not in the Premier League, Harry. But let's face it, up until this season... They deserve to be in there as well. But, Roy, you know, nothing surprises me in football anymore. Should we be surprised in football anymore? No, I think the simple answer to that is. And at the end of the day, the board decided, um, OK, I know it was merely by mutual consent, but, I mean, we all know what mutual consent means. At the end of the day, it's a case of either you go or, or we end up getting rid of you. And... I think it's very, very disappointing. I can understand Bournemouth fans and a lot of Bournemouth players have tweeted recently about the fact that uh, how much uh, Eddie Howe really improved their game, how much he has an influence to that club as well in particular. So it is very, very, very disappointing. But like I say, at the end of the day, if they'd have survived this season in the Premier League, I doubt very much we'd be talking about uh, Eddie Howe actually being sacked or anything at all like that at all whatsoever. But unfortunately, relegation happened. And the way owners are nowadays in football, uh, immediately they start pushing the panic button. And, and what they want, instant success on returning straight back to the Premier League. Whether or not they get that, of course, it all depends on who they appoint. Yeah, you did mention before on the show, Peter, that you felt the amount of goals that Bournemouth were conceding was always going to get them relegated. And I can't disagree with that because, well, they're gone. But over the five Premier League seasons, just had a little look back, Bournemouth's goal difference was always in the negative. And in fact, the year 2016-2017, which was their best finish of ninth place, 
and it was their best goal score or goal difference ratio, which was minus 12 goals. So it was actually probably the fact that the goals dried up this season more than anything that caught up with them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, we're always saying, Roy, tables don't lie, do they? Stats don't lie more so in particular. And But yes, admittedly, I mean, it's been like that for quite a few seasons, you quite rightly say, but... Yeah, I, I think to be fair to a guy like uh, uh, Eddie Howe, as I said earlier, you know he hasn't got the budget to go out and get players in particular positions more than anything. Um, he is virtually running, or he was virtually running that club on on a shoestring, so to speak. And um, at the end of the day, uh, you know you, you could you could argue about the fact that perhaps he didn't buy the right players. Right. He, he he bought wrongly. I, I personally, I don't think he did. I, I myself, I think he assembled a squad that was competitive but as I say this season in particular it fairly obviously wasn't competitive and of course the, the main issue was defence wasn't it more than anything by the amount of goals they conceded they they, they and also as you quite right to say it didn't help by having somebody who really wasn't putting the ball in the back of the net they, they, they didn't really have prolific goal scorers uh, they were the sort of side that, 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 were, that were good to look at but at the end of the day you always knew when you you played against a Bournemouth side of this season that, that you were in a position that you, you'd be able to create enough chances that eventually that defence of theirs, which is very easy, it has to be said, you'd end up eventually scoring against them. And of course, if you haven't got a, a side crammed full of players who can potentially get you goals, you're always going to be in trouble, aren't you, really? But I, I just feel... It, <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't say it's been coming for a while, Roy. No, because at the end of the day, I don't, you know, if you look at Bournemouth statistics realistically in the course of staying in the Premier Division, I, I don't think they've done too badly. I mean, there was a season where everybody said that they, and me included, that they did punch well above their weight, which which is fully understandable. But then, of course, if you start punching above your weight, then the very next season you're expected to not only equal that to the position, but go on and improve from that and I'm afraid this year in particular they just didn't do they No and I think Sheffield United will find that quite difficult again next year uh, Tom yep. was the decision for well, both club and Eddie Howe was it the right decision for for each uh, I think it came, when I first read it it came as quite a bit of a shock I was kind of a bit taken back because I thought they would, would keep him because he's managed to bring them up from League 2 and Football League all the way through the Premier League. I thought they might give him another season, but I can I can understand it from a Bournemouth point of view. Obviously, staying in the Prem for so long and then coming back down, and, and with Eddie Howe being at that club for so long now uh, as manager, because obviously only, it was only a couple of years ago he was linked to the Arsenal and England job, which I think demonstrates such good work, the work he's done at that uh, Bournemouth and how he's taken them from to a competing Premier League to stay in the top flight. But I think now from they probably need a change of style to get perhaps one of their downfalls. They've got a bit too predictable. So I can see why they, I can see how they kind of come to that consensus to be perhaps now after um, kind of eight years in charge. Um, perhaps a change of style, change of tactics might be a bit refreshing for the club to perhaps kind of rejuvenate and restart and try and come back to the top flight. Yeah, what what next for Eddie Howe, do you think? Um, it'll be interesting. I think he's a really good match. I'm sure some championship sides are probably sniffing around him. Um, 
because obviously he's got that pedigree of being able to come through the championship up to the Premier League. I, I, I have a feeling I think he should wait till next season because I think the Crystal Palace opportunity might open up in the first couple of months of the Premier League because obviously Palace aren't doing that well under Roy Hodgson at the moment. Haven't won in 10 games and didn't have a greatest end of the campaign since the league restarted. So I could see Eddie Howe coming back to the Premier League quite soon actually. I think Palace could be a destination for him. Yeah, there's many names, Tom, linked with the job. Jason Tindall, who was part of Howe's coaching staff, is favourite. Other names include John Terry, Lee Johnson, Paul Cook, Joey Barton and this morning Chris Hewton's odd dropped. So... Who do you think is best suited to the yeah. role? I, th- I think Chris Hewton's probably quite, uh, the strongest shout and strongest candidate for it. I've, I've seen Nigel Pearson being thrown around in the mix there as well. Um, I think either one of them could get it just because they've had, they've had both a championship and Premier League experience, which I think um, is probably quite a big um, CV for what form will be looking for because they'll need someone who understands the championship because um, it's, it's completely different to the Premier League. It's so much more open, it's fast-paced, it's counter-attacking. You need a manager who can do that side of it. And if they do, and forbid it, get into the Premier League in the next couple of seasons, you're going to need someone who can perform well. Premier League and Chris Hewton and Nigel Pearson both have um, pedigrees in being able to keep sides up. Perhaps not for the longest time as possible, because they have both recently been sacked by their said clubs, obviously. Chris being Chris Hutton in 2019 last year by Brighton and Nigel Pearson just just last month. But I think I, I think Chris Hutton and Nigel Pearson would be a good good signing and good coach for that kind of changing team now because it's, it'll be interesting to see who Bournemouth keep player wise as well. Is Josh King is Stanislas going to stay the Championship? Are they going to look for moves back into the Premier League? Yeah, I think uh, Chris Hewton probably is is the favourite in my eyes because he's done it in the Championship. He's done it in the Premiership. Anytime he got sacked in the Premier Premier League, he Newcastle, who were comfortably fine mid table, Brighton, who were uh, in the lower half of the table but still comfortable, and I don't think Brighton have improved that much uh, league position wise. They haven't really anyhow. So. I think he's always done a good job, so I think he'd be a a solid option. Um, On Saturday, it was an empty Wembley Stadium when Arsenal and Chelsea battled it out for the FA Cup final. And one man made the difference. Tierney. Firmly by Zuma. Bearing. Surging run from him, and he crunches into Christiansen. Here is Pepe, now Aubameyang, it's still Aubameyang, it's absolutely brilliant! Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with his second goal of the FA Cup final. 1-0 down, Arsenal are now 2-1 up. Yes, Arsenal claimed their record-breaking 14th win in the FA Cup final with two goals from Aubameyang. Peter, how important is it for Arsenal to try and convince them to sign? Uh, massive. <laughs> I think Arsenal have got to even go to the extreme of literally bursting the bank to uh, keep hold of a guy like that because you know if he doesn't stay, uh, and there is talk obviously that he's still undecided, I mean... Um, Possibly he will, possibly he won't. We'll have to wait and see. But, I mean, if they do lose him, they are losing uh, 
well, their main quality player, it goes without saying. I mean, you look at the amount of goals this, this season, the amount of times he's turned games in Arsenal's favour, including on uh, Saturday in that FA Cup final as well. Whether or not Arsenal, I wouldn't say Arsenal got a massive, a huge amount of money in relation to keeping the players, but surely they've got to do best to try and keep hold of a quality player like that. Because if you know, if, if you if you lose a guy like that, potentially you're going to lose twenty plus goals a season, uh, and I just feel it will be a massive loss. And I, I mean, that's why every Arsenal fan is literally having sleepless nights, hoping and praying that he will stay. Because if he, you know, to me, if he if he does go, whether it be it's obviously going to be his own choice, whether it be for money or not. Who knows? I don't know. But at the end of the day, if that does happen, he is virtually at the moment, Roy, replaceable. I mean, he's, he's so difficult. You know, who else could they line up with somebody as good as the quality of what this guy has produced for a side that, let's face it, understandably so, has very much underperformed him. Yeah, no, I think you're bang on. Uh, how much would you think it costs to, to replace him, Peter? Because, as you said, he's... <laughs> one of the top strikers in Europe. So, um, what other top striker in Europe is going to look at Arsenal and go, "That's for me"? Well, yeah, this is it. You see, th- th- this is the problem. You're quite right, Roy. I mean, there isn't the quality strikers around, is there? At the moment, potentially on the market, it's going to be extremely difficult. That's why I think um, you know, Mikel Arteta has got a very, very worrying six weeks to come before. Uh, the start of next season. You know, the first thing they've got to do is get this guy to commit. It's as simple as that. And uh, because otherwise, yeah, you're right. I mean, trying to find a quality striker around, not just even in this country at the moment, but certainly further afield in Europe, is going to be extremely difficult. And like I said, <laughs> yeah, money-wise in particular, Roy, uh, it's another factor that's going to have to come into this also. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a worrying position. Certainly, if you're an Arsenal fan at the moment, definitely. Yeah, Tom, were Chelsea just unlucky with the injuries and the sending off, or were they off the boil anyhow? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. I, I think when they reached Pulisic uh, in the second half and the uh, the dubious red card, the double yellow uh, happened. And I think Chelsea beginning to slowly get back into the game, weren't they? But overall, I think. I think Arsenal deserved it, definitely. I know uh, Lampard said in the Insta post-game interview um, that their Chelsea weren't good enough to win that final the way they played. I think the first half was, was a really good really good battle between both the sides. I think Chelsea were definitely on top and deserved the lead. Um, but yeah, I think in the second half, Arsenal definitely edged it. We were a bit slow in possession. Kind of not really, we weren't looking to go forward. We were looking to pass it around the back, around midfield. There's no cutting edge from Chelsea. So I think Arsenal definitely deserved it. But I have got to give a shout out to Anthony Taylor. I thought he did a great job um, in that in that game. But um, no, Chelsea, I think it's been the story of the season. You kind of play well for 20 minutes. You kind of drop off and you bring. You just invite that pressure from another team. And to be fair, Arsenal, Aubameyang, he took his chances and, I think deservedly so they won their 14th uh, FA Cup, definitely. Descending off, is, is that not what VAR was brought in for or, or shouldn't be used for? It's a it's a decision that's unjust and can be seen in the same amount of time as all these penalties and, you know, free kicks around a box and et cetera, et cetera. Can, could that not have been used there to, you know, justify the complaints from Chelsea players? That is, that is hands down the reason why VAR was brought in for to overturn wrong decisions. 
that what's the point in having something that can make a game fair, but you only use it for certain situations? That a second yellow, it, it obviously red, is the same um, consequences of getting a straight red, really. You're off to the end of the, whole, the rest of the game. You miss next games. That's the reason why VAR... There's obviously someone in the VAR looking at the foul and looking at the game, knowing that it was the wrong decision. But that, yeah, VAR needs to be sat down at the end of this season. But we've got six weeks to try and sort some clear rules. Um, hopefully they've learned a lot this season and they can make it much smoother um, for, the, for the next season because that's the reason it was brought into, for, to make a game fair, to iron out any decisions that were wrong. And they haven't been using it. Yeah, I think if if it's not ironed out next season and it's still as disappointing as it has been this year, I can see it faltering away and I certainly wouldn't be too bothered about that. Frank Lampard was with the injuries to Pulisic and co and they're missing the Champions League game against Munich. Frank Lampard is nearly demanding that the Premier League take a look at the start date for the new season, which kicks off on the 12th of September stating that all teams should be on a level playing field and players fully rested. Do you agree, Tom? Because there's a number... There's also, it's not just Chelsea, obviously. I'm probably a little biased towards the Blues, but um, it's not just Chelsea still left in the Champions see Chelsea overturn that 3-0 deficit to, to Bayern. So I can't see us going through any further. And that leaves us with 35 days until the start of the Premier League, again, until we kick off. But if you look at the likes of Mad City is still in it, uh, who else? Uh, yes, City is still in it. And if they could go on to win the Champions League, if they do the final, they that gap drops to 20 days until the start of the Premier League. I just feel like um, the Premier League are now rushing to get it. They've done well to get it back um, as a restart from lockdown. But I think there's no point rushing this next season to start it. I know you're going to want to get, they want to get on back on track. But I don't think they're thinking really of the players. Um, obviously, the FA Cup, the Chinaspilicueta go off with hamstring injuries. That could affect the start of a Chelsea season if both of those are injured. But 30 days to suddenly quickly turn round after coming back, obviously months off during lockdown, to then come back and play games every week, week in, week out, as well as FA Cup fixtures, and now going into the Champions and players have equal opportunities to make sure they're fit and not putting them in harm's way. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm totally agreed. I know that they would have to probably crunch in more games during the next season, but they did it this season, so it's, it's, it's entirely possible. And they're still sticking with the five substitutions next year, uh, which is still a bit of a complaint for, for some of the clubs, but it definitely will give other players a rest. Okay, so just for a little bit of fun to see who was paying attention most to the 2019-2020 Premier League season, we're going to have a Premier League quiz Peter versus Tom, okay? There are three, three, three questions each. You get one point for a correct answer. If it's a draw at the end, there will be a tie break. Just for a little bit of drama. Okay, Peter, I'm going to let you pick. Do you want questions A or question B? So you're going second Okay Tom you're going first Okay What was the number of points Liverpool finished on Tom? 
99 is correct 1 nil up I'm guessing you knew that you one know. I'm guessing you knew that Peter no, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <me mind>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your question, uh, Peter. How, how many points did Norwich finish with? Good. Um, 19. 19. 21. So, 1-0, ah. Tom, well, after the first question. Second question. <laughs> Tom, Jamie... Well, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> Jamie Vardy won the Golden Boot with 23 goals. But how many goals did Mo Salah score? Oh, no. Um, Seventeen? No. It was 19 goals Jamie uh, or Mo Salah scored. So, along those lines, Peter, how many goals did Harry Kane get this year? Uh, no googling. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, twenty-one, eighteen. So I think he finished in about seventh or eighth spot. Oh. Okay, so still one nil. Last, last round. Tom, which player scored the most penalties this season? Oh, uh, I'll actually give you a bonus point if you get the amount of goals he scored as well. Oh, I might, I might go for the January signing, Bruno Fernandez. No, Peter, do you want to have a guess? What, 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 who would you guess? I, I would have said Fernandez as well. To be honest with you, okay. it shows how short term our memories are, doesn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. No, it was Marcus Rashford with six, and oh, Fernandez yeah. came in and yeah. took four. Then after that, and scored his yeah. four. Uh, Peter, you have a chance here. You have a chance here to go level, Peter. And I'm going to ask you. Okay. You have three players, and you only need to get one of them. Three players who had the most red cards this season you need, and you only have to get one of them oh god <laughs> struggles to get one of them most <laughs> red cards god oh dear I never I never take notice too many notices of red cards perhaps think, I should do think, now think of anyone who got sent <laughs> off recently Peter yeah I'm trying to think um, Son Tottenham Unlucky. It's one of the greatest defenders of all time, David Luiz, with two red cards, Fernandinho as well. So, uh, Tom, you're the Premier League undisputed champion of the world. Congratulations. Well done, Tom. <laughs> okay, Tom, seems you won. Well we'll, done. We'll, give you, uh, we'll give you the first shout and transfer talk. So I'm going to go for, um, I think it happened, the Spanish midfielder Thiago. He's been linked to a few clubs, um, leaving Bayern Munich, uh, the Premier League champions of Liverpool. Um, I think that'd be, he's got one year left on his contract at the moment. And uh, he's, I've seen values of £27 million for the uh, Spanish midfielder. I think he'd fit 
beautifully into that um, Liverpool midfield. Obviously, they've recently freed up a few wage uh, budgets with shipping Lallana off to Brighton, and um, which is probably good. Obviously, they missed out on Timo Werner earlier on uh, in the season, so I'm sure they're probably going to go all guns blazing for Thiago. Um, I think you'll give them a completely new dynamic. He's a different midfielder to what they um, what they have currently. Uh, obviously, quite a low, a deep-lying midfielder who can spray gorgeously good diagonal, diagonal balls, spread the play, be a good um, kind of pace setter for the game, which I think Liverpool in kind of previous years in that midfield. Um, he's a bit injury-prone, I think, at the moment. Obviously, he's uh, been affected by groin injury since the restart. So he hasn't actually made that many appearances this season for Bayern. And he managed to get the three Bundesliga goals with 36 appearances across all competitions this year. But um, I think it's a good, if Liverpool can um, get that sign, I think they could be, uh, I could really strengthen their squad and, and compete to try and um, regain that Premier League title. It's obviously um, teams have struggled for in the past, but I think if Liverpool get that sign, then they could be a, even deadlier than what they were this year. Yeah, who who would you think, who would you feel that would miss out if Thiago came in? Um, Naby Keita would probably drop further back in the pecking order. But I could see it either be, I think it could be Henderson or Fabinho. They might be getting their playing time cut reduced and a fair bit if Thiago comes in. I can't see Naby Keita getting as much game time. And Oxlade-Chamberlain. Would uh, not see as much game time, but starting eleven plates, Henderson or Fabinho, that kind of DM, I could see uh, him taking. So maybe more rotation within the squad. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll probably be the biggest thing that clock, especially with five substitutions now that they're saying is going to carry on. That could be a uh, especially in that midfield three. Obviously, you can really really go for it and rotate the whole whole three. But yeah, I think Thiago will be a starting eleven, and he'll take a. Henderson or Fabinho role in that thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter, who have we got? I'm going to go a bit Spanish today, actually, uh, Roy. Um, Valencia, uh, Ferran Torres. Uh, Manchester City, very, very keen on the uh, winger. Virtually, it's going to be a, a, a like-for-like, uh, Roy. Um, City odds-on favourites at the moment to snap up the signature of the Valencia player. Uh, he will be a, a straightforward replacement for... Um, uh, Leroy Sane so I think that's going to almost virtually done as we speak so uh, I think you'll hear more about that in the next uh, couple of days uh, I've seen a little bit of him in, in, in La Liga he's quite pacey he's a pretty good winger as well and um, again I think Manchester City so far have been pretty quiet haven't they as regards to signings and uh, rumours around City in particular but certainly this I think will be the first of their main uh, signings yes so Ferran Torres Okay, and Man City, Man City, Peter, seem to always get their business done fairly early, don't they? Aki coming in yeah, and, they do. and Torres. So they're setting the marker again. There's no messing about. They're going to have their team ready. It'll be interesting to see how they start this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, they will be keen to uh, <laughs> overhaul Liverpool next season, understandably so, after the disappointment of the, of the past campaign. But you're right. 
they, they do have this habit. I think, uh, I mean, this, I think this is a, a sort of a Guardiola tradition. He doesn't want to sort of leave it until literally a week before the start of, of, of a new season. He, he likes to get in early. He, he's, he's earmarked the type of players that he needs to fit into a squad. I mean, the like of Torres I'm referring to just now, I wouldn't necessarily put him as, as, as a, a main starter week. But it certainly will be a very, very good addition to, as always, a very, very strong Manchester City side as well. Yeah, I thought Sané was was an excellent player for them, although he wasn't getting the game time. He always seemed yeah. to give something when coming off the bench. So, yeah, they need someone else to step into that uh, slot. Peter, I'll, I'll keep with you there. Kasper Schmeichel is being linked to Manchester United. How likely do you think this is to happen? <sighs> well, let's face it. Um, question simply would be: Is is uh, David De Gea going to be there next season? I mean, he, you know, he had a disappointing season, hasn't he? To be fair, by his normal high standards, it has to be said. I know Solskjaer's gone on record as saying, yes, he's he's had a few disappointing games, but he's still a very, very good goalkeeper, which I think, to be fair, he is, having said that. I don't know. I mean, likewise, Schmeichel is an ex- a, a very extremely good goalkeeper as well, as you quite rightly say. I, I mean, there probably is some miles in it, Roy. Yes, I wouldn't turn around and totally disregard. No, I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think they could well be shopping for a goalkeeper if it gets to a situation of uh, literally uh, harming uh, De Gea to one side uh, it could come off yeah it could do I mean it'd be interesting to see the price tag more than anything yeah I would say Peter I would say I'd say the player would be interested with his links from you know his dad playing there as well and a question to be asked then where does that leave Dean Henderson well (laughs) quite right as you say I mean let's face it uh, he's another quality young player, isn't he, Henderson? He's a very good goalkeeper, as you quite rightly say. I mean, if if I was in his shoes and somebody like Michael was signed, uh, you, you would be very, very disappointed. I mean, you'd probably have one eye on probably wanting to get away from the club, wouldn't you, and, and try and get regular first-team football, which, to be fair, I think Henderson certainly deserves by far and away, yes. But at the end of the day, you've also seen... I mean, going back to the Schmeichel situation, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be interested, Roy, in playing for one of the, well, the finest clubs in the world? Let's face it, no matter how the fact they're probably not quite up to the glory standards that they have been, but at the end of the day, you, you would give anything, wouldn't you, to end up uh, actually eventually putting on a Manchester United shirt. So, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Schmeichel, if he was offered the situation, he, I think he would jump at the situation. At the end of the day, you'd have to feel extremely sorry for a guy like Henson because eventually he'd be given a lot of chances, a lot of opportunities. I mean, if not, then it's going to be a situation, isn't it, where United eventually are going to lose a guy like that. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Shane Duffy looks set to leave Brighton. He's not getting game time there at the moment. Uh, a, de- a decent centre half West Ham are looking at him and seemingly Bournemouth are interested in, and this could sort of bolster the, the, the likelihood of Chris Hewton going there because he worked with Chris Hewton before how how do you rate Shane Duffy and where should he go or should he go at all? I, I, I like Shane Duffy I think he's, he's a leader I think that's what he is around the back he's a He's been around the clubs for a while in the Premier League, so he's got good experience. Obviously, Republic of Ireland, um, Davidson, he's been in Brighton. I think I think he should just stay where he is. It depends, perhaps, what Brighton do in um in the transfer market. But 
if I was Shane Duffy, I think I think his probably locker romantics are probably quite strong within the group, and that's probably one of um, the reasons Brighton probably want to keep him about. But as a kind of for personal experience, uh, not personal experiences, but for him as a professional football, he's going to want to play week in, week out. So maybe a move is I could, I could see him still stay. I'm sure a lot of Premier League teams like West Ham, like you said. Um, would probably be quite a good move for him because he's going to get into the team there. He's got Premier League experience, abundance of it, and he's a good leader from the back, which is what a lot of Premier League teams sometimes lack, uh, especially this season. You haven't seen that many leaders in around the back emerging this season. Shane Duffy could definitely be one of them in a in a different team. So West Ham, I think, could be his destination, but. What about a team, Tom, what about a team like Arsenal who have been struggling for any sort of solidness in, in, in centre-half spot or centre-back spot? Could Shane Duffy sit in there and do a job for an Arsenal? Definitely, especially if Arteta's looking to bring in... I don't know if he's an Arteta kind of player, though. I don't know if Arteta will look at Shane Duffy, but I think Arsenal, if, that could be a good signing, especially if Arteta's looking to bring in and rejuvenate the squad. Lots of young players... Uh, that's what they've done with Chelsea so far this year. But he's going to want um, older players in, in and around the team to show them the ropes and to keep talking them through the game. And Shane Duffy is um, he's one of those players. Yeah, but no, I think Arsenal could be a destination. I think a lot of teams will want a player like that. Okay, Peter, we're going to finish off with a finishing story from yourself. Well, I'm going to go with a bit of a fairytale story, Roy. Um, Yorkshire. I'm not talking about one of the big ones like Leeds. I'm talking about Harrogate Town. Now, a few years ago, not many people would have heard of Harrogate Town, but next season they will be hearing about them because yesterday they gained promotion to the uh, Football League from the National League via the playoffs. They beat highly fancied uh, Notts County in that uh, playoff final by three goals to one. And what a success story it is for this little town of Harrogate. I mean, normally the town of Harrogate is associated with tea rooms and cream teas and that sort of thing. But, oh, no, 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 next season it won't be quite the same. It will be associated with the very first time in their history, over 100 years they've been around, they've managed to eventually get themselves in the Football League. And it's a father and son success, it has to be said, because the manager is Simon Weaver, his father is Irving. Now, Irving bought the club back in 2011. Uh, The original owners sold it. He was a big fan, his father was, and he decided that he'd he'd like a piece of Harrogate Town. Why not? I mean, at the time, they were playing in very, very low leagues in non-league level. They've been in the Midland Football League, Counties East League, Northern Premier League, and a few seasons ago, they managed to get themselves right up to the league under the National League, which is the... uh, Conference North League, as it stands there, they got promoted through there. Uh, Last season, they lost out in the playoffs to AFC Fylde, but this season, they went one better. And I watched the game yesterday, and it's a remarkable achievement for a club that averaged around about 1,400 currently in the National League. They were up against Notts County, who have an amazing support, it has to be said. Remember, they were a former... uh, Football League Club. In fact, they were the oldest Football League Club around. Uh, they have a they have a support of over five thousand. That just shows you the standard. How the squad wise in particular is so much stronger. But it, it's a real fairy tale. And congratulations to them. I mean, whether or not they can hold themselves 
in League Two next season, that could be a different story, having said that. But it's still a remarkable story, a remarkable achievement. And congratulations to the Weavers. They are making Yorkshire proud at the moment. Yeah, no, it's a fabulous story. It's a great story. I can't say that I knew too much about Harrogate Town, but I think a lot of people will know a lot more about them next year. And be keeping a keen eye, as you said. Everyone loves a little bit of an underdog. And someone with 1,400, you know, I don't know what the capacity is. Do you know what the capacity is at the stadium? And probably not too far off. yeah, it's only about about four and a half, five thousand, Roy. Yeah, it's not, yes. it's not big at all. So no. people will be keeping an eye out there. But we've seen from teams that have come up, they have held their, their ground in that division. And a lot of big clubs, like you said, Notts County, gone out of that division. So there's every possibility for them sticking in there. So we'll be all rooting for them next year. It's great to see. It's great to see new blood. Um, Tom, what have you got? Uh, we are going to the United Arab Emirates, where a world record has been broken. Um, Ariji Al Hamadi, a UAE national football player, um, has broken the world record for hot stepping. Uh, she managed to complete 86 repetitions of the ball control trick inside past that record. Um, I had had a look on the video hot stepping was because I wasn't too sure what it was and it's really tough to go earlier today and uh, I was definitely mile 86 uh, I struggled to get uh, double figures actually in the minute but no so that's my my story she's a UAE national football player um, a young woman from Dubai and yeah she uh, she broke the record uh, just the other day just explain what hot stepping is so hot stepping thing is is um kind of the reverse of juggling a football on your feet so instead of kicking keeping the ball up you're um kind of using the ball of your feet you're kind of bouncing the ball from left to right okay so the floor you're just kind of bouncing on the balls of your feet um against the ground it's quite hard uh, to keep it well i found it quite hard but i know means a national football player <laughs> And the record was, again, because you just broke up there a little bit, the record was... Okay. Uh, The record was 56, and she hot-stepped past that to a whole 86 repetitions of the the ball control trick, and you have one minute to do it. So uh, out in the garden you go. Let's see if we can... uh, get a world record on the big kickoffs. Great. Tom, I'm looking forward to seeing those videos of you out the back garden, uh, giving it socks. Uh, we, we, we might all give it a shot. Listen, lads, that's brilliant. Thanks very much. Again, look out for the lads on thebigkickoff.com. Uh, loads of great articles. And, of course, there's podcasts galore as well. Th- lads, thanks very much again. Thank you. Thanks, Roy.